In the beginning, God was nothingness. So he started making stuff. He made the dirt, he made the sky, he made the water, he made things that swim, things that slither, things with legs. I mean, God turned himself into a big shot. Then, in a couple of days or a couple of million years, he breathed life into man. And he's been sucking the life out of us ever since. going on happy Saturday night Sunday morning depending where you're at I'm on the uh, west coast our guest tonight will be on the east coast we'll get to him in a second I'm pretty sure we are rocking his music right now so uh, this is what does it all mean podcast episode 2 season 3 Three, three, three times two equals six, six, six. My old friend Sky would be very bummed. So anyways, what's going on, everybody? Happy, happy Saturday. I'm doing this early because of the East Coast, West Coast thing. Uh, Max is on the, um, he's on the, the East Coast. I'm not exactly sure, but we will find out. But before all that, let's get into some news getting some news because it's been a trying week oh man fox and the red hairs is here don't make me do a costume change if you guys are here like the whole show i'll try to man i've been wearing your shirt all week anyways if you guys send me um like outfits and stuff (laughs) i'll definitely wear them mike watt did not send me this but fox and the red hairs sent me this really awesome uh just this fucking sports jersey and it's so rad like i don't know what to say like it just makes me feel like win in arcade fire and i really love it and i wear it way more than i should so what's going on guys check out fox and the red hairs they've been on the show two times and they're one of my favorite bands in the world so anyways uh speaking of music my morning jacket dropped a new album this week this is a new song from it it's fucking dope it's fucking dope so uh next week I'm gonna have a have a Halloween special cause it's Halloween and uh it's my birthday on Halloween too so and I think it, it it lands on a Saturday Sunday like this so I'm gonna have some crazy Freddy stories uh 
I've met I met Robert England in a kind of weird way, not not like actually speaking words, but uh, as a delivery man, I've ran into him in several occasions that uh, I think are really funny, and uh, I, I definitely have Freddy stories. So, yes. Uh, okay, let's get into some news. Let's get into some news besides music. We have that crazy, uh, like, Alec Baldwin shooting. That was some crazy shit. These people, these actors, should not be being killed by bullets. And I guess he killed a, a director of photography and, and injured somebody else. That's fucking horrible. And uh, you would think in 2021, like, you wouldn't really have these issues of, like, you know, gun safety. And what scares the shit out of me is that these, uh, these, every, everybody finds something to make political, you know? So, like, I have dual personalities because I've created different Instagram, uh, you know, profiles where, like, I'll just make a fake, you know, conservative and I'll, and I'll go in and I'll be like, oh yeah, I'm gung ho. And, and it's all a facade, right? And now the, the thing is, like, I'm infiltrating their system. Now the new thing is they're, like, trying to call this whole thing, like, uh, the Alec Baldwin thing a fucking NRA uh, scandal. And now they're trying to get the NRA in on it. It's like, dude, sometimes people fuck up, man. You know? And some people just, like, it has nothing to do with politics. It has nothing to do with the NRA. It, it has to do with just people being incompetent of their fucking jobs. So it sounds like... The, the person that was in charge of safety was incompetent, and, you know, I don't know what to say, like, I think that's a really, you know, and that's the thing, when you infiltrate the other side and you see where everything has to be political, but I, I can't look at it as, um, you know, one-sided too, but I have not seen, you know, the other side, the left come out and say, like, oh yeah, this is a, this is a whole political scheme, so... It's sad that we have people out there that are trying to create this narrative to divide every single subject that's hot at the moment, you know? And sooner or later, we should create our own subject and, uh, you know, try try to see if we can change the narrative, but more in a more positive way, you know, and see if they infiltrate that, you know? So, what's going on, everybody? What's going on? I'm so happy. I'm, I'm truly blessed. We've had a lot more followers in the last, like... Uh, you know, two, three weeks, and I'm stoked to meet everybody, I'm, I'm stoked to hear everybody's stories, I'm, you know, that's the cool thing about this podcast, it's like, it started out as just like trying to question the universe, and, or the multiverse, and in doing that, I've got to meet the most interesting people, and learn about myself through them, so, um, and through that too, um, I was talking about mushrooms in the last, um, episode, and I'm not talking about psychedelic mushrooms, I'm talking about, you know, natural mushrooms that just grow in in the wild, and uh, I was on this kick, and I, you know how we all get goosebumps when you talk about, like, weird things, uh, they definitely uh, come from a system from the mushroom, and, and I find that just crazy, because from the longest time, I've always wondered where those goosebumps come from and this is just my theory i this isn't scientific proof but you know the mushroom has this this like system like an internet and it connects to the forest and we are kind of part of that organic matter and 
we do the same. And I think sometimes when things hit us, especially in like the multiverse, like death and, and uh, you know, just things that make us feel, you know, I think that's what gives us the goosebumps and makes us connected as a tribe. And I think everybody thinks we're so uh, different, but we are truly not. We are all one tribe, you know, and, and that's another reason I wanted to do this podcast is to show that like, we're all the fucking same, you know, and uh, I don't think there's a there's a difference between the real world and, and the cyber world anymore. And I'm I'm stoked to meet everybody. I'm stoked to uh, to just know you all. You know, any anyone wants to come on the show, you're more than welcome. <clears throat> Pretty soon we got Max coming up. I don't know if he's watching now, but if you're there, come on in, buddy. You're more than welcome. My friend Ron Feldman, he gave me an interesting um, concept. Uh, I interviewed Rondi, and it was a super fun, uh, super fun show. Here we go. Uh, see if this works and he was talking about uh yes what's going on my friend ah it's been a day it's been uh <laughs> it's, it's been a hell of a day I, I i'm more active than i think i've ever been today nice this is max everybody by the way hello welcome to the show max thank you for having me Heck and thank yes. you for being accommodating Oh, definitely. I'm stoked. I'm so just from the, the brief like conversations that we've had, uh, you know, it's it's been awesome. And just before we get into it, uh, the first time we talked, you were talking about, you know, one of the conditions where you bleed. And I'm not I don't want to jump into that right away. But that particular day, I haven't had a nosebleed in like fucking 10 years. Right. And that particular day, about 20 minutes later, I had this nosebleed and I was just like, what the hell is this? This is a fucking sign. <laughs> like, this is a definite yeah. I swear on my life, I should have taken a picture. But anyways, okay, okay. So That's tell outstanding. Me about yeah, tell me about what's going on. Um, I had the opportunity to just get, get some serious steps in. Um, and uh, I did some work helping someone build out a, a, build out a home studio. And they live not unreasonably far from where I live. So I just walked it. So it was like a four mile walk there, four mile walk back. And then I went to go see my buddy, uh, play in a cemetery, um, which is like a customary sort of Jersey city Halloween fundraiser. Nice. Uh, and so I basically ended up walking about 17 miles today, which was holy shit. Yeah. I'm a, I'm gonna be feeling that one. I mean, I'm already feeling it. The second I like got home and got comfortable, and then I got up to go to the bathroom. I'm like, oh, shit, I'm limping. All right, we'll deal with it later. You know, that's we'll... the best. You're almost going to be out of body. And I like that, you know, because then I can just, you know, instead of you thinking, I can just pick your brain. You know, yeah. that's the best. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm fucking exhausted, uh, but fulfilled. <laughs> so I'm 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 yours. That's the best. All right. So, OK, tell tell me and the audience what you do. I know that you're a musician. I've been playing some of your music on the show already. So tell me how you got into that. What, what age did you start? And what, what, what gave you the creative spark to be like, I want to be a fucking musician. I want to stand in front of people and like pour my heart out and, you know, do the best to, to catch your, capture art. What, well, what, what did that for you? What's funny about it is that it kind of started, 
prenatal, my mom uh, and dad would go into New York and they'd catch shows. They were both, you know, my mom was big on theater and they went to go see, I believe it was Joe Williams, uh, you know, and his band playing like a jazz club. It might've been Blue Note. Uh, this is the story that I was told anyway. It was something around seven months pregnant, eight months pregnant with me. So getting, getting, getting to be about the time where, where, where I'm about to become an outdoor baby instead of an yeah. indoor baby. Um, and uh, I only now, a friend of mine, she just had uh, her daughter and she sent me this video of the baby kicking and I did not realize how visual baby movement at that stage is. So Definitely. now I can, I can appreciate that apparently on the up tempo songs I was basically just making I was I was making that belly quake so apparently it really had an effect on me uh, from totally. from sort of a prenatal um, I've been a performer of some sort or another I, I guess I, I think of myself as something of an expressionist whereas when I've got something on my mind when I've got something on my on my shoulder you know I I'm trying to process something. I'm going to figure out how to articulate it. Oh, totally. Uh, so that's always been sort of a, a guiding aspect of me. I didn't, you know, pick up a musical instrument proficiently, though, till maybe about 10 or 11, which yeah. would have been about 2000. And in that time, you know, the, the the radio PR campaigns, a lot of ninety two three K rock, a lot of that sort of stuff. So a lot of very heavy sounding guitars were very appealing. Yeah. And what made that you know, beyond the sort of cathartic aspect of loud ass guitars, like you know, let's just let's let's state the obvious here. Guitars are like cigarettes. People look cool with them. Not saying it's a good, you know. <laughs> I've never been a cigarette smoker, but I I have totally one hundred percent bought into the hype of smoking looks cool. Yeah, totally, <laughs> but, totally. Uh, I I wanted. I was always kind of a weird kid before you even get or with the addition of the the the, the bleeding disorders called hemophilia, and it's yeah. something that defined me. Uh, a lot because it was very chaotic in my childhood and I was, you know, inescapable and often all consuming either of the body or the mind or both. And yep. uh, so I thought this could be a refuge that I could give myself, you know, I was kind of a weird, again, a weird kid that, that really only had to, to me anyway, that the, the, the bleeding disorder is sort of a defining trait. I'm like, okay, maybe if I can be, like 50% hemophilia, 50% guitar, that'll be like a better sort of ratio. Definitely, uh, definitely. So so around there, uh, I tried other instruments as like a kid um, and, and nothing really stuck. I was not proficient in, uh, well, anything that required mouth, like embouchure. Uh, so like flute was totally out of the question. Totally, totally. Um, yeah, totally. like I you know shit that horns. actually requires horns. i can't do horns for shit no like, i will try one day again just because the overall you know 
you know, once you start learning an instrument, of course, you're like, I understand music. I'm going to do this. Now I'm going to jump into a horn. And, yeah. like, you know, but it really is frustrating, those wind instruments and, you know, different yep. stuff like that. I would I, like I still have a chip on my shoulder about that shit. I love horns. I got yeah. to do, uh, you know, some 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 live work with a band called Square One, uh, and it was the first time I'd ever gotten to share the stage with a Barry Sax. Oh, right. And oh my god, that it's I love Barry Sax, and yeah. the particular person who is playing it. Uh, she goes by the name Low Wood, which I didn't realize was a pun until somebody pointed it out to me, but um, <laughs> she happens to be like the mother of motherfuckers. And yeah. and I, I feel a kinship with her in terms of we're both, you know, in, as soloists, uh, I, I'm a very sort of an improvisationally guided person. Yeah. Um, you know, just kind of just throwing things at the wall constantly, just trying to see what's going to happen and try not to think about it too much. Uh, and, and she's very much the same. And, and after, and, and, and we forged this pretty quick rapport. And then I find out that we share not the same year, I don't think, but the same birthday, which is, it's interesting when you meet somebody who shares your birthday. Of course. Of course. So that was kind of cool. Of course. Uh, so I've always had that respect for horns. That's awesome. Okay, I got this question. Do, do you, you, know, you, you said you described yourself as weird. I don't think that is the case. I think, you know, having something like the hemophilia, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I got in a horrible car accident where, like, in the first grade, I had to go into class, and my whole head was just dismembered, and I had, like, 64 stitches in my forehead, and I was just fucked up, and the kids were just completely mean. And it, and it wasn't that I was weird. It was that the kids that around me, you know, they were so clicky and so wanting to be popular that they were the ones that kind of forced you into that outcast, forced me into that outcast kind of mindset of like, well, fuck you, I don't fit in. And I will find something like a guitar or music or an album that will make me fit in. And then I find people like you that are, aren't so weird that, you know, have been in similar situations. And, you know, do you think that that bullying mentality forces you to kind of break out, like you said, like, I'm going to fucking play the guitar now. Like, I might have this this ailment, but you know what? It's not going to be me. It's going to not going to define me. But but the art and guitar will define who you are at, in, at the end of all this. Right. Because I feel that's what it is at the end of all this. What have you done with your life? You know, and if you created something, you fucking done something that will live forever. And to me, that just crosses the boundaries of of if you ever make a million dollars on your song or if you ever do any of that if you've created something and your voice or your chords or anything creates something in the multiverse dude you're fucking doing good so i don't think you're weird i think you're fucking awesome and i'm stoked that you're on the show so it's not even a question that's just that's just that's just the truth you know so you know what's your what's your main instrument like is is guitar your main instrument yeah, uh, guitar would be the thing that uh, that I became proficient on first. Yeah, I, it was you know I, I sang uh, prior to that. I wouldn't say that I sang with any sort of meaning or direction as much yeah. as you know when you're in school, 
you get, uh, you know, put into music classes and they kind of make you do the rounds. So I would mess around. They would put you on a keyboard for a minute or they'd give you wood blocks or they'd give yeah. you some mallets to, to hit on a, on a xylophone or something. So I got to do that. And so I always had an appreciation. Uh, and, you know, you would do those little rinky-dink elementary school recitals. I still remember my, my music teacher at that school his name was alan price and uh i think it was less him and more the amenities that stick out to me because he seemed kind of kind of gremlin-y if i remember correctly as a person i just remember him yelling a lot yeah um and and kind of having this sort of shrieky voice uh so that <laughs> You know, probably a decent dude trying to wrangle a whole ass bunch of kids is is going to be a stressful uh, of thing. So, of <laughs> um, I don't I don't mind uh, thinking about it that way. And I try to think about you know my childhood in that way too. Like to to go back to the thing you said before. But first off, I know in the first conversations we had, we talked about pain and you had alluded to pain of your life and, and to have a little more context on what you've been through. Uh, I had been curious. And, and so thank you for uh, opening up about that. Cause that sounds, I mean, my thing, you know, in the same way that my thing seems abstract and, foreign and, and perhaps horrifying in that way to somebody who doesn't have it. Yeah. Uh, I, I've had a lot of fortune uh, as somebody with the disability I do in of that I've, nev I've never even spent the night in the hospital. Like I, I got my damage and we'll get into that, but yeah. Uh, and, and my damage is, is up there in terms of the, the damage of a hemophiliac, but yeah. uh, the fortune of it is I've never had a surgery. I've never, well, again, I'll expand on that one a little later, but I've never, I've never even spent the night in a fucking hospital. I've never been awesome. in a car accident. That's like, all. See, that I is... have, I've done all those. I've been in the hospital several times, been in a car accident, all these different things. And I think, you know, everyone has these different individual experiences. And, you know, I think people in the fucking world think that they got to go run and meet Travis Barker or somebody to find individuality and creativity and a spark. But no, every motherfucker on the planet that I meet, every homeless person, every, every person's got a story, you know? And if you just oh, fucking listen and open up yourself and realize how fuck, dude, like you're just like me, then you make that connection and there's nothing better, man. Like that's fucking life to me. You know, like it really is. There's nothing better than that. So it's, yeah. you know, and, and when I think about it, uh, it's never really that simple uh, as as bullying, because there was a lot of, you know, it, as much as kids can be assholes. And mm -hmm. I have a, a working theory about where I grew up in New Jersey, which is a, a, a suburb called Montclair and Montclair has this fascinating divide it's the sort of place where a lot of uh celebrities would live um i think john stewart lives there right now but okay. you know it's that sort of place um yeah. but it's also kind of had at the time it may still i've sort of tried to put some mental distance between myself and that place uh, yeah. but it had this real divide between uh you know upper and lower class there was like a full-on ghetto in the suburb um 
uh, around uh, a street called New Street. And so you'd end up with this really weird combination of ghettoized suburban upper class kids who, you know, the working theory I have is that at least one out of every three dudes to come out of Montclair uh, is a dick and has remained a dick. And depending on who you ask uh, from that town, I may be being a little generous, but uh, the, you know, it's never quite that. It's, it's something about me and circumstantially so, if not just part of who I am, has always been a little odd. Um, and I, I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just uh, it took a while to figure out how to be comfortable in my own body because I, I wanted to be anyone but who I was for the longest totally. time. Totally. Uh, and, and the disorder impacted that more than I think having the disorder was a reason, you know, I wasn't exactly bullied for having hemophilia. Yeah. I was, it was more like, I wasn't really even that much of a bullied kid. I might've been a little, uh, you know, fringe maybe, but I, you know, I had social circles. I had friends. I just had a hard time being a person for a very long time. And I, I lived with an existential chip on my shoulder pretty much earlier than, uh, maybe a lot of kids would have because with with a disorder like hemophilia, you spend a lot of time around a lot of grownups with a lot of really cerebral academic shit being thrown around in the air. So while I'm learning my ABCs, I'm learning stuff that people in med school are learning. You know, That's I'm crazy. learning about cons. I'm learning about the circulatory system. I'm learning about the clotting cascade. You know, I'm learning. Yeah, how right. We, and like, you're like ten. You know, you're exactly. Or <laughs> I'm not. I'm talking like six or seven. Yeah, like, of course, of course. Like, like, like pre-K. Yeah. Because you are. You know, we we in this in the bleeding disorders community, we talk about being our own advocates you have to because yeah. and the way i put it to people is you know because a lot of people are very gracious with me i'm, I'm fortunate that most yeah. of the time i would say like a solid 95 to 99 percent of the time people are like yourself compassionate curious earnest about yeah. this and uh, for that i am eternally grateful and they're so compassionate about it that when they don't know something or they don't recall something about it, they, they become apologetic. And I, I, I have to remind them that it's, you know, yo, it's not your disease. It's not, you don't have to remember all of this stuff. This is why I'm here to communicate a problem if it, if it arises. And that's what you learn pretty early on when you are a child and you kind of are a baton being passed from your parents to your teachers, to other caregivers to other people to whom uh you you are a uh a, a source of responsibility you know totally, totally. You, you so they need to know what you are in a sense uh, yeah. and i i say what because that's what we're dealing with it's not who uh because i'm not hemophilia i am a person who has it of course and of course. and that's you know, that's, that's a way I will call myself a hemophiliac, but like at the end of the day, that's, that's sort of the person forward thing. And they teach that a lot. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, and there's a lot of, 
I would say that I was a very angry kid and perhaps I'm a, an angry person now who just understands his rage better. I, I've been oh, sort of driven to try and study, you know, where, where the ship goes aground. And, and when you're uh, a person who's had the ship consistently run aground on them uh, throughout your life, and as you get older, um, you begin to start to notice the patterns a bit more. So I, I tried to study them uh, within myself to try and, uh, you know, make at the very least that whole emotional pendulum. Yeah. I, I I tried to make peace with it. And I'm like, I'm never going to get this thing to stop. That's just life. Okay. But... This, this blows me away. You say you have rage, right? And, and, and okay. I'm just going to tell you this right now. So all of these things, you're not going to believe how much shit we have in common. Okay. So you're on the East coast. I'm on the West coast. So here it's the same goddamn thing. We have these really rich areas Okay, and then we have these, like, we have, like, um, like Irvine, okay? Really rich area. Fucking Will Ferrell went to the same goddamn school I went to as a kid, okay? But then, right across the place, we have Santa Ana, which back in the day was the biggest gang fucking, like, construction you'd ever seen. People were dying on the daily. They wouldn't even fucking report it. And all these people were kind of intermingling. Me, myself, I'm from kind of in between, like Anaheim. Not such a good area, okay? So when I was younger, I was brought up in, in the Anaheim, the poor part, and then all of a sudden, and, and I got beat up a lot by all the fucking kids, and then all of a sudden, I got brought out of that poverty into, like, a nicer area like Irvine, okay? And when I got there, I thought, oh, the kids are going to be so much more nice to me, and everything was going to be different. It was the complete opposite, turned into a bullying thing, and then that bullying turned into a rage, and I remember this kid, Roger Wilson, he hates me to this day, and I feel so bad. I kicked his fucking teeth out when I was in, like, in the fifth grade because we got in some kind of argument. And, bro, at that point, I was a problem kid. Like, literally, they had – and then I think in the sixth grade, I fucking hurt some kids so bad that I made him actually bleed. And I sent him to the hospital just because I had this inner rage of not knowing who I was at that age as well and being moved from, you know, poverty into this weird – place where i wasn't accepted either because i wasn't rich coming into the into the wow. whole thing so you know that's a lot of shit that we have in common you know yeah and so with this if you turn it inward like it, my body was my own bully of course that was the way that this would go because you're jumping in um you're jumping in on this and um Thank you for for coming in and, and stopping in. It was uh, this is a person I met at a, at a gallery last week, and I'm, I'm grateful for how well they were responsive to my work. Um, and, yeah. and you know, it's awesome. So what's the, what's their what's this hello owl or I can't really mm -hmm. I'm trying to say their their name like Hulu Hulu Olo or whatever H U L. I believe it's. It's uh, sort of like, hello, whoa, like, whoa, is, is I know it's some sort of a internet phonetic, and it's, maybe it's because I'm a little zonked right now, but I, I it's it's sort of like a cutesy thing. Nice. Um, nice. I don't know if it's like a phonetic, or if it's supposed to be kind of like a face, or I, I, I've, I lose the plot there. Heck yeah, well, but, thank you guys for listening, I appreciate it, for real, so yeah, check these guys uh, out. Um, yeah, no, super cool people. I'm I'm grateful that that uh, there seems to be a nice little commingling of of our, of our people in the uh, in the in the room with us. Uh, 
but yeah, uh, when you're when you're born with this thing, um, there there's a phrase that I've been going with because I, I tried for a long time to 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 not write about my problem. Mm-hmm. I tried to keep hemophilia separate from uh, music because I it was like, come on, this is this is the one thing I'm trying to keep decent. This is the one thing that I'm trying to keep uh untainted but that that ultimately was the wrong perspective of course of course Um, and the term i've come to in this uh and i've I've spoken with a few different people in 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 mental health and and there is uh there are there are aspects of it that show up but the term is codependent rage and codependent rage to me means this existential chip on my shoulder that I literally have this covenant uh, that I've entered into by nature of being alive where in I have this expensive disorder. There's a need for medicine that while not like I'm not going to die immediately if I don't get this stuff, but it, it is it's kind of like in the same way that a diabetic uh, regularly takes something, you know, insulin to, yeah. to stabilize themselves, I take a, a clotting factor replacement or some variant thereof to, you know, consistently regulate myself or in bad cases, like, you know, to, to help me heal from something. But at the same time, the flip side of that is, um, you know, there, there's a yin and a yang to it because in America, we are also one of the most like legislatively potent and well protected. We're almost like an endangered species or something. Give me they, one they, second. Give me one yep. second. Hold on. I heard something crazy. I have to check, my friend. Hello? 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 Oh, boy. We're good. Sorry, sorry. Sorry, sorry. That's all good, man. You're good. I'm glad it was some. I'm glad it was nothing instead of yeah, something. Yeah, me too, man. Okay, I just heard screaming yeah. between cats. Okay, so uh, we're good. So, so yeah, it's essentially the 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 fact that um, hemophiliacs roughly are about a half a million dollars a year uh, in meds, and there's a lot of protections in place that help us get this medicine and not actually have to pay that shit out of pocket, which is something I'm grateful for. But it's also the kind of thing that it's like we we can we got to kind of rebuild this shit so that the most vulnerable of us are dealt with. Because if, if we're like the canaries in the coal mine, man, if, if, if one of us is fucked, that means y'all are going to get fucked down the line. But and why should it cost so much? Like, and that's another, I don't want to get into that, but the fact that, you know, today in 2021, you know, that's just the medical companies boosting up the bullshit and our government, not stepping in and going, fuck you. Medicine should be on a decent level. And we can call it capitalism, we can call it whatever we want, but, you know, I've got people in my family that depend on same shit. Like, if they, they don't have money, they're not going to fucking live, okay? And just because I've got my health right now, I've got other issues. And later down the line, like, that's what people don't understand. When you have, when you're human, and especially when you have any kind of ailment, it, it's so fucking challenging just to live. And then to have to worry about goddamn money on top of it. That's where it's, and then it becomes a whole other stress and it causes yeah. you more fucking health problems, you know? And it, and that's where I that feel to like, me is codependent rage. Def, that's it right there, you know? And I feel like I'm not, I'm, yeah, I'm not, you didn't fucking ask for it. Exactly. Exactly. 
and it's hard and it's hard to like deal it's with your own character on why do I have this and you go through these things of why me you see these other fucking people walking on the street and they're all perfect and you're just like and you know, these people don't realize it too they have this perfect health and they can eat whatever the fuck they want they can do whatever the fuck they want while you know, for me, like, I, if I eat ice cream, I could seize the fuck out and bang my head. And I'm not even kidding. I have such, such particular things that I have to live by just to continue the process of, of this experience. And sometimes I just want to eat ice cream. And sometimes I just want to be like the normal kid down the fucking street. But then I remember all these negative things that I do to myself. Always, I always end up on the floor and regretting the fucking things that I do. So, you know. Yeah. It's just figuring exactly. out what makes us work, you know, like what, what makes us That's... work and keeps us off the floor at, on, at the end of the day, you know? Yeah, you're you're 100 percent on that. And and that's sort of the flip side of this um, is that, yeah, I've got these protections in place. I have never wanted for anything in terms of medicine in my in my life. But the flip side is that that's the life that is my lot in life to have been uh, born with something that means I'm dependent by, by, by default on, on something else that, you know, and then there's this resentment by, cause this is also, a, you know, there's like 30,000 of us in America and like half mil worldwide. So, and, and, and this is a rarefied disorder that has a specialized medicine. So the price is a bit more understandable from that context. Yeah. I'm not going to get into the, the minutia of pharma, but again, I, I strive to, to bring uh, balance and, and to try and sort of level out the extremity to the best of my ability between perspectives on it, that that gives me peace. Uh, so that it's it's kind of like, you know, our enemies never quite as evil as, as we think they are sort of totally. thing. Because otherwise that's just that's just a recipe for tunnel vision. But, um, the, you know, the, the yin and the yang of that would be, you know, on days where I'm in a good collected place and I, I have a way forward and I'm functioning all right, or I'm just in good spirits. It's, you know, I've got, I've got it good. I could be in a third world country having to depend on expired medicine and the good graces of other people bringing it Definitely. to me. Definitely. But also at the same time here, if I have a flare up of this, it's just as bad as if I weren't medicated at all. Of course. And, and that's sort of the, the equalizer and the other way to put it and this, this may sound hyperbolic, but it's also a reality is that we're at like, the medicine here is is perhaps restorative in a in a situation where there's uh, an episode of it, but there's also or otherwise it's preventative. But I'm not getting better. Like yeah. you know the the long term damage of this sort of disorder. Like we don't really get to get better. Yeah. And and one of those sort of long term things after if you've bled enough into a joint. Um, a couple of things can happen. And, and I've in so far as uh, the, you get target joints, um, mm -hmm. which are, um, you know, the ones that you habitually bleed into. And, and as for me, it's my, it was my right ankle as a kid and my right elbow uh, as I became, you know, more of a guitar player. And I've bled into my right elbow as, as prolifically as like Bucketheads put out records. Like I, I, it, it it was stupid. It was it is stupid. Like I, and and over super arbitrary things. Can I like, tell you one thing? Can I tell you one thing? Yeah, I absolutely. Fucking, I fucking met Buckethead at a at a fucking Taco Bell because he lived in my city. He probably still does. Oh and shit! 
and and he would go down because he he moved to Laguna. I, I, I don't want to tell. I shouldn't tell. Where, okay, so he moved to this place where I was at, and I would always see him on the on this bike. And 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 someone told me he moved there to take art classes. And fucking, I just knew his posture and his body stance and his kind of his hair. And and I would see him just driving down the fucking this place, and I'd saw him like so many times that I knew it was him. So I'd start driving by, going buckethead, buckethead, bucket, just fucking with him, right? And then one day. He was in Taco Bell, and this is how I know it was him. He fucking went into the bathroom, and when, and I was with my my girlfriend, my fiance at the now, and, and he came out, and it was it was his whole body just without the bucket. And I go, I go, there he is. I go, it's Buckethead, and he just looked up like I'm caught straight up, and he smiled, and he just kind of like walked the fuck out of there, and he kind of looked like um fucking uh I, I think he's i think he's actually there's pictures of him without the bucket now but like it was you know for a while you didn't know what he looked like you know no yeah yeah and so like it was fucking him so like it was trippy you know he's still yeah. around this area i'm pretty sure but he's he's amazing and like you said he puts out albums every fucking like like you're yeah bleeding, he, you know <laughs> he would put him out like he he was freaky he i think he slowed down i i know he had some medical issues for a minute about a decade yeah. ago yeah uh, something like a slip disc or something but um I, I know that he has been ridiculous and relentless with his <laughs> with his output. Yes. And so with hemophilia, just the quick the quick one oh one on this is uh we are as human beings bleeding and clotting on a microscopic level at all times. That is yeah. how we function. Uh your blood is essentially pumping, you know, it's bumping around in your body doing that whole thing because we are this sophisticated goo factory and you're a, you're a vampire's fucking hors d'oeuvre my friend i might give a vampire <laughs> the runs like i'm really not sure this this is one of those things as a kid that i thought about and because i did have this one kid who did try to bully me with that kind of shit yeah. and it just raised more questions than anger out of, of me course. i'm just like what would a vampire do with me? Like, totally. how does that work? Um, <laughs> and I used to like fuck with the kids and be like, I'm a bite you and give you hemophilia. That's how <laughs> I got it. But essentially, you know, the, 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 the circulatory system is pretty pressurized. And uh, as your blood's bumping around and you, you get these little microscopic bleeds and then the, you know, the row of dominoes, the clotting cascade kicks in to knock that shit off before it becomes a problem, but also you've got this other plate of proteins that tell you to knock off the clotting before, you know, you have a stroke or an embolism somewhere. Yeah. And, and when that's out of whack, you either have your hemophilia like me or your thrombophilia, which is, you know, why some people have to wear those fancy socks on airplanes uh, or yeah. otherwise, you know, have to take blood thinners. And uh, the, the, it, just to illustrate the chaos of it, like I'd fallen off a bike and like, you know, had some scrapes and been fine, yeah. but I've like the action of walking across a street yeah. is, it, it, you know, has fucked up my ankle or, or one of my favorite bands uh, is Porcupine Tree. And okay. I got to see Porcupine Tree, Robert Fripp opened for them. I was like 17 years old. Yeah. Like I was just coming into myself as a musician, like yeah. starting to feel like I was, not, I don't want to say I was hitting my stride, but I, I had started to become creative. I, I a, a creative voice had started to peak out. I had started experimenting with songwriting 
in an earnest. Uh, I had just discovered my first like major seven triad, and I was like, oh my god, this is amazing, and oh, yeah. and and it's still a guiding voice for me. But uh, and and I go to the show, and they play. There's a song from their catalog, if you're not familiar, called Trains. Uh, okay. I think they closed with that, and Trains is one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard. And when, you know, what, what do you do when you're at a concert, you clap. That's, that's like a thing you do to show uh, gratitude or enthusiasm or, and, and the act of clapping uh, gave me uh, uh, an elbow bleed. So, oh, wow. and that's, you know, when you have that, that means your, your range of motion becomes restricted. There's literally blood pooling in the elbow. Yeah. So, with with my ankle and, and my two joints sort of uh, exemplify the two problems that arise from long term bleeding into them. Uh, the the ankle is partially fused in an organic way because if blood doesn't reabsorb as it uh, you know and get processed when it's uh, healing, it calcifies. So oh, wow. like my it's a partial fusion. Wow. So so I try to keep active on it because otherwise. Uh, you know, I, if I, if I, yeah, if I lose that stamina, then, then I can't do much. And that's, um, and then the other one is, is the elbow. And that's kind of been the big chip for me because, um, you know, if I was bleeding by 17, uh, into it by 21, I was diagnosed as bone on bone arthritic, um, in that elbow, like doctor, you know, one day I like lifted a giant ass jar of pennies that I had been like saving up to go bring to a coin star or something. And I put and, and I was like, yeah, this is straining me. And I put it down and that strain and that 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 uncomfortable sensation didn't go away. I'm like, oh, shit. What? what this is new. This yeah. is, I thought I had this dialed in. What's what's up? And so we're you know, I'm living with that. And it's becoming a maddening thing because that's, you know, when you're in pain persistently you live in a state of persistent agitation of course course. and uh you know and i'm going and i'm getting my imaging and i get music and the music is the thing that that keeps your mind off of it even for like a minute like five minutes right like for me when i'm going through shit if i pick up a guitar it takes my mind off of it for like even two minutes you know sometimes yeah performing does um playing music Actually, in a lot of ways, because because I'm literally using an arthritic joint. Yeah. Uh, depending on where I'm at, if I'm just trying to practice arbitrarily or I don't have a muse, yeah, uh, I'm generally very much reminded that there are problems with me. So, um, okay. When you're when you're practicing or when you're playing performing, you said that you didn't incorporate you know um, you know the hemophilia and your your problems before. And now that you have, have you ever been on stage where like you've written something in the past and then once you're up on stage and you didn't know what it really was about. And once you're up on stage in front of people, have you had the epiphany of like, oh shit, like this is what this is all about. And like, have you learned up on stage, like what the song and what it meant to you is like while you were playing, has that ever happened? No. Uh, and I'll tell you why. Uh, I I try to be as a producer as well, pretty dialed into my songwriting. Um, in so far as uh, because I have to discuss it with people, mm-hmm. but I I would say prior I I haven't. I, it would be perhaps a little disingen uh, a little a little inaccurate to say I'd never fully written about it yeah. uh, till recently. But because uh, I have a song in my catalog uh, 
earlier catalog called The End of Me, which is about sort of my commitment to not giving up on myself and not giving up, even if it means that I have to travel a road of uh, hardship and uh, even if it means I have to become a blur uh, in order to not feel things. Um, I, love I love it. It was something I wrote in part to a, um, in part to a, as sort of a letter and, and forgive me, I'm, I'm choking on this cause it is a tough topic, but I, I, my mother, uh, I wrote this while my mother was sort of circle in the drain. Uh, and it was a song that I wrote as, uh, as though I were speaking to her directly. In fact, that's exactly what it is, is it's me saying to her, cause she would say, relax, relax. I'd be like, no, if I, if I, if I do, that's the end of me. Like I'm yeah. not, if I, if I stop, then I don't know that I can start again. So I, if you really want me to make this piece, this is what I got to do right now, it seems, sort of thing. Yeah. And it was in part supposed to be sort of a somber, wistful, res, you know, re, you know, resolution, uh, you know, resolve to keep that shit going. Uh, in part, I had... I would write from more of a portfolio standpoint. I had, and it was reflecting different influences, just trying shit. And, and I never really wanted to try writing about hemophilia. Like that was kind of like the, that was my first real exercise writing about pain perhaps. And, and that would be pretty close, but I would write about other things uh, I was in, you know, I was kind of having a big Beatles period at the time. So I totally. wrote kind of not, I don't want to say goofy, goofy stuff. Cause but more me, no, there's <laughs> nothing. I get it. Like there's nothing. I love that. The Beatles yeah. have a beat, but they can also give you that, that depth as well. You know, I tried to write more like just, I, I keep saying it was from a portfolio base because I had wanted to try and write stuff that maybe other people could see themselves in. Yeah. And, or stuff that wouldn't be because because I mean th- that was the trick too this time around with the material uh, the standard I set for myself was if it if it's of the lens of hemophilia it has to transcend the source okay. um, and for me to do that took time it took dedication but for a while I I didn't do that because I had I was a band member of course or I was a sideman and to discuss this and to try and incorporate it. I tried with, with one song that had sort of had a few iterations with a couple of different bands uh, called Little Miss Bloody Mary. And I, I still mean to get back around to writing it and giving it its proper due. Cause that was yeah. sort of the tinker toy of it. Yeah. Uh, but to bring it up in conversation or in press uh, prior to exerting it within my, my own work as a solo artist would have been, um, greedy it would have been the wrong move to be like oh yeah you know we were recording daryl's record in nashville and my blood doesn't work you know like that just you know it would be a shoehorn and 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 to me sort of inappropriate um but one day uh i i was working i i had put my solo work kind of on the shelf to focus on production and to focus on you know, being a guitar player for others and, and a session musician and a sideman and a band member. And I was still writing and I was still very much an active writer and trying to be a guiding force within 
the the creative worlds I was running in, just not a front man, just not of course, anything of course. like that. Um, of course. And then I resumed uh, at the at the insistence of a very good friend of mine from high school, uh, work on my solo stuff, and I, I put out an EP called Betamax. And when I was trying to get some press coverage on it, the uh, the the journalist that who's a friend of mine, um, he's like, "Well, is there a hook?" And I'm like, "Okay, um, fuck it, my blood doesn't work." <laughs> I there's my elbow is shot to shit. It's been yeah. about ten years since that happened. Doctors said I should probably put the guitar down. I yeah. have not put the guitar down. Let's yeah. talk about it. Totally. Uh, because uh, let's let me just strip away the artifice and be completely, completely frank about the other side of it. Yes, this is completely cathartic. Yes, I'm really endeavoring to do something earnest with it. Yeah. But at the same time, it's a total press grab, and I recognize that because I am a white dude with tattoos and a guitar. There are millions <laughs> of white are. dudes. Yes, that uh, there is nothing special about me in that respect. There okay. is nothing like it, uh, what I, I mean. I like what I do, but yeah. from that perspective, I'm not remarkable you may think at all. That, you may think that, but there's so many guitar players that just quit every day that like. Believe me, I'm sure that they're like 45-year-old men sitting on the couch going, fuck, man, why did I quit, you know? Yeah. And so and now, okay, I got – this is the last question because it's 9.53, and I've got to close this up by basically 9.57 because if I don't, then uh, these are uh, your 12.57, then we can't, we can't turn this into an audio broadcast. So the right, last right. question I have is what does it all mean? Uh, it means eventually it stops. At least the current perception of it stops. It's kind of a constant feed of information. And depending on your bend, that information is noise. And it can be easy to tune out the static if you just shrug your shoulders and pull the plug out. But, you know, sometimes we can find it in us to try and dial in finding like a radio station in that static to, to make something communicable out of it. And what that could be is for me is going to be different for anyone else. And uh, the way I look at it, I, I guess you could say I take the broader atheistic perspective or the agnostic perspective of, uh, I would like to think that when this form of consciousness ends, that I seed my identity, that I seed my brain, my mind, my soul, whatever, and that uh, my reward for having not pulled the plug uh, will be the silence that I was craving in the first place. The idea of information, uh, the pursuit of clarity, and then peace is, is sort of what it's about. I love that, man. I, I, I just completely love that. That was fucking amazing. Okay, so... Where can we, uh, I, I found your music on uh, Apple Music, but where can we find everything that you're at? Like everything that you're doing, where can we find that stuff at? I would... Max Feinstein, by the way. So I, I just want to say that loud. Max Feinstein has been an awesome guest. And I just want to know where I can find all your, your great music. The doings would be at, uh, the best place to listen to what I do, I think would be at um, 
Bandcamp. So maxfeinstein.bandcamp.com. You can go to maxfeinstein.com and that'll kind of has a link tree flavored thing, but also there's a link tree in my bio uh, in on the Instagram. So you can find me on your preferred streaming platform, or if you go to the Bandcamp, I sort of have this breakdown uh, of the songs uh, that I've published there, song by song, sort of awesome. reflections, sort awesome. of liners and shit. So that would be awesome. my reference. Awesome. All right. Max fucking A. We got Scarlet Official Band here. We've gotten so... I've been ignoring everybody. I've been seeing you, Julia. I see everybody. I'm so stoked that everyone's been listening and into it. My cat just turned off the fucking music. Look at this cat over here. We can get, like, I've been trying to ignore this kitty all night. Oh. Now. Look at this thing. Oh, a little stinksy. Yeah, it just turned off my music. It's been fluttering around the whole time. And then I got this other kitty over here. And they're they're running the show really, so uh, it's been dude, it's been so yeah. awesome. Do Thank you, like, you for having me. Definitely. Do you like Tom Waits, by the way? Tom Waits. Um, yo, he actually just came up today. That alt take of "Hang Me in the Bottle" is like one of my favorite things. Dude, he's the he's. I think Tom Waits is God. That's a whole other show. But I definitely think he's he's part God. I think my cat is part God. I think that cat's part God. I think you're part God. Whatever that means. Whatever the fuck that means, man. What does it mean? What does it all mean? Thank you, Max. I'll Thank fucking you. have you on again. Everybody check him out. Max Feinstein, everybody. You guys have a great night. This is What Does It All Mean podcast, season fucking three, episode three. I'm going to have another show uh, tonight. It's another podcast called Love Problems. It'll be on, I think, at 11, so check me out. I'm plugging my own shit. But thank you, guys. Thank you, Max. Fucking A. I'm going to end this. Hell yeah. I love you, brother. Love you. Julia, thank you everyone. I'm going to end it before it disappears. I love you all.